Now, two times ago, I think, before I, we started on the, um, the looking at direction for the church, I spoke on the time before that, it was on Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the first eight, one, uh, one to eight verses there. And I spoke then about how I saw that as a, an example of God's sovereignty in all things. And um, as, as I said, it's one of my favourite passages of scripture. I'm going to use it again this morning, but in a different context, uh, because it's a wonderful example, I think, of what I want to speak about. I want to speak about two things, balance and discernment. And this Ecclesiastes is a wonderful example of balance, that God has balanced all things. And um, so I'm going to read that so you can see what I mean, because to me it illustrates what I want to speak about. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 8. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pull up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. God's perfect balance. He has all these things in his hand and God never swings out of balance. And we as born-again Christians, as his children, should be attempting to be like him. We should be, as Christians, in the same type of, as balanced as possible, not pendulum swingers. And I dare say you've all met people that are pendulum swingers. And they are, you know, they can, one moment they're very vocal on this point of view, and you meet them six months later and they've gone right through to the other point of view at the other end of the scale. And then sometimes I'll come back this way and that way, and it's a constantly varying very confusing when you try to understand them or anything because there, there, there's no consistency and there's no balance. And you see it come out in the zealots, an extreme point of view that allows for no other point of view. And it's a very unbalanced and dangerous thing. And we need um, to, to have the stability as children of God we should be the ones that others are looking forward to when all the things of the world that are going on at the moment are shaking everything that they know. Do you know that nothing that we know as a truth is being shaken? It cannot be because of the firm foundation of Christ. But all the things of the world, and he says so in his word, will be shaken. And people's core values are just being changed every day. And they're confused and they're frightened and of what use are we if we're swinging all over the place as 
as Christians changing our views and saying different things and believing different things, why would they listen to us or anything? We need to have that central core of stability that is founded upon the rock which is Christ and his truth. And that then gives, we need to be able to give that stability to those that have been shaken and seen their values that they've traditionally put their faith in just wiped out. Where are they going to look? To a stability, hopefully, that they see in us. Because as far as Christians are concerned, um, we need to ask God for this type of thing. It doesn't come naturally to us because we are an emotional creation. And we tend to um, either work out of our emotions or work out of our own strength and logic or work out of our, our reaction to circumstances around us. And that's not a good thing in a Christian. Um, we need to seek God for this. We're told in James chapter 1, in James chapter 1 verses 5 to 7, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and with no reproach, and it shall be given to him. Doesn't stop there though, it says, but let him ask in faith that doubting nothing. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. For do not let that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. We don't, cannot be as Christian, tossed around from one doctrine to another, from the latest fad to the, the um, opinions of the world and the pressures of all these things. We need to constantly be seeking the Lord for wisdom, and that is how we get the balance that we need in our Christian's life. And that is a hugely important thing to people looking at us, that they see a stability. So I want to look at four... Now, the weird thing about this is that when I started thinking about this, I thought, yeah, okay, I've spoken both on discernment and balance before over the years, but as separate subjects. And it never occurred to me that they are very, very closely linked. Because I don't believe without discernment you can have balance. Because you will not understand the things and you'll come to your own conclusions and you may come to a wrong conclusion and be following a wrong doctor or anything if you do not have discernment and that will put you out of balance. And so I'd never thought of the two as being so linked. I thought, oh, yep. Okay, well, then I'll speak about both as, as sort of a teamed-up unit. And when you're doing that sort of preparation, or thinking about it, preparation might be an overstatement, when you're thinking about it, you tend to think, oh, well, I'll, you know, probably 50-50 you know, it, and so much will be on this and so much will be on that. That's just sort of in the back of your mind as you're preparing, because I know you guys don't want me banging on for two hours, and I've got an hour on each subject, you know, and so you have that in your mind. As it turned out, as I started to write it, it's probably 98% about discernment and 2% about balance. And I'm happy with that because I believe that Ecclesiastes makes up anything better than I could say about balance. God has already said it. And so I don't need to go into that too much. As I've got a little statement at the end about balance and that's it. Um, but I believe that is why that Ecclesiastes chapter one, uh, chapter 3, the verses 1 to 8, 
covers everything about balance. We need to look for these things and we'll only find them in God and by seeking him. But I want to look at four scriptures about discernment um, to establish that you know, it is an important part of the Christian life from scripture. And discernment, the word itself where it's used, and it's used in different forms, it's translated differently, and when you go back in these passages and look at the word, it means the same thing. It's got the same Hebrew meaning. But it, it means to test, either literally or figuratively, to approve, to allow, um, examine, discern. Yeah, because the, it's words are using a, a, to try and to distinguish and to, to uh, prove, but they all come back to the same meaning, which is discernment. So the four scriptures. First one, Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 3. And it says there, this is Jesus speaking, and in the morning there will be a storm, you say, there will be a storm today for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but you are unable to discern the signs of the times. This is Jesus mentioning the importance of discernment. I'll get to these four scriptures shortly, but I want to look at them all first. Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing, renewing of your mind, for you're proving what is the will of God, the good and acceptable and perfect. Now that proving, again, is exactly the same word. And the original is discern. So discerning what is the will of God. 1 John chapter 4 is the third scripture. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but try the spirits to see if they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Again, that word try, exactly the same word, discern, test, examine. And the fourth scripture, Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in full knowledge and in all perception that you may distinguish between things that differ, that you may be sincere and without offence until the day of Jesus Christ. Again, it's the distinguish, exactly the same word, discern. So this is between things that differ. So you can see this is across the board, and you can go through and you can find a lot of references to this in the Bible. But I want to look at uh, why these are important because there are four different areas that they're spoken of here in this. And so Matthew, in the Matthew 16 verse 3 verse. It is crucial for the Christian to be able to discern the sign of the times. Imagine if the, 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 Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, the leaders of the of the faith at that time, if you like. And he was talking to them, but it applies to all. 
Imagine if the Pharisees, not just the very few amongst them, but as the leaders had been able to discern the sign of the times, the signs of Jesus, but they willingly and, and put a lot of effort into denying it. Again, all part of God's plan. But Jesus um, called them out on it, not being able to discern the sign of the times, the coming of their Messiah. Pretty important thing, you would think. It was, it was very specific what the Messiah had to, his qualifications, the things that only the Messiah could do, and Jesus had done them. So it didn't take huge amounts of discernment to see that and to recognize that. So there's a clue in there as to what can get in the way of our discernment. And that is pride and the desire to hold on to what we already have. Those guys did not want to give up their position, their rights themselves. They didn't want to subject themselves to anything because they had it sweet. They had position in the community, authority, had an easy life and a hard time. And so in ourselves, not discerning God's will or not hearing him can often be one of those things. A lot of the time for guys it is pride and so we need to be careful of that. But um, it's easy for us to see the signs, discern the signs in the world. We would have to be pretty thick not to be able to see what's going on in the world at the moment and what's going on in our own country and how God has been hated more and more in every aspect of society. If you don't see that, then really you're asleep and you are dangerously asleep because the world's not hiding it. They, they, all the anti-God marches, all the abortion marches, all the gay marches, all these things that are hateful to God and hateful of God are openly celebrated and endorsed by our government and governments throughout the world. And to not be able to see that as a Christian, there's something seriously, seriously wrong. But also there has to be a balance there because if you start to focus on all those things and if you start to focus on the conspiracy theories and all the ins and outs of what's going on, then you will take your focus off Jesus and what he has called us to do and you will go out of balance. And so because the things of the world are so obvious, some Christians get sucked into thinking there is the enemy and I must find out all the information I can so I can tell other Christians about what's going on in great detail and, and warn them and save them from this and all that. You don't need to do that. You need to be focusing upon Christ and what he wants you to do. The things of the world have no part in the spiritual life and your relationship with Christ except to serve as a warning of not to partner with them. Because the things of the world that are going on at the moment are all leading to destruction. It's made very, very clear. But Christians get sucked into it and obsessed by it and whap, they're out of balance. There is, over here, is their, their 23 out of 24 hours is spent examining these things and there's the hour spent reading their Bible. 
over-exaggeration, of course, but you see what I mean with that. So the things of the world, we can see easily. We can discern those, if you like to call it that, easily. But when we get into the Christian realm, that can be a little more difficult because the enemy uses Christians if they're willing, if they're not careful, if they do go out of balance. And you've seen, all of you must have seen at some stage in your Christian lives, the sprinkling of a lie with the truth or the sort of meshed up, there's scripture and there's an interpretation or a direction out of that scripture that is totally wrong. Um, as I've used the example before, but some of you would not have heard it, as the years ago there was a movement of the prayer of Jabez. And that was about expanding tent pegs and you know, claiming this and claiming that, you know. And people were doing this and they were claiming towns and cities and countries. And also, it was such a popular Christian thing, they started manufacturing Jabez ashtrays. And you can buy these in the Christian bookshops. Jabez ashtrays, Jabez bookmarks, Jabez this, Jabez... It was crazy. It was a huge thing. Someone made a fortune out of it. In Christian circles, no one in the world was buying this stuff. But Christians were spending multi-bucks on it. And so you can see what I mean. It's, it's, we think, how stupid. But it's often a lot more subtle than that. But that got in, and that affected thousands of Christians, tens of thousands of Christians throughout the world. And so we, this is a mixture that the enemy uses to get in there, and we need to have discernment. Because the principle that they were talking about in the prayer of Jabez may have started as a right principle, but it was totally misapplied um, and spun out of control and become a thing of the enemy that distracted many, many Christians from their saviour. And so the subtleties are more difficult. And that leads, that warning leads to the next three scriptures that I used. Romans, which was Romans 12, 2, and says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, for you're proving what is the will of God, the good and, un and acceptable and perfect. We need to know the will of God as opposed to the other voices that we all hear. Now, we are, the types of voices that we hear are our peers, other Christians. We hear our family. We hear our workmates. And though we have an advantage there if they're unsaved because we do not need to build any of our Christian life upon their advice or their interpretations. That's an easier one. But what about other people in our fellowship that see things differently and hold different beliefs? Uh, other people that we mingle with in the different Christian social groups that we go to. Uh, I know that some you know, have years ago there the used to be a lot of um, uh, there was women's groups that got into the Rebecca Brown stuff and she was promoting the fact that uh, 
that an, an unsaved person could call a curse down upon a Christian. And that, cur that curse had, you know, but that happened. So you had to be guarding against this curse and guarding against that and doing this and doing that. She sold a lot of books to Christians. And this is the type of thing. You know, these are the voices that try and distract us um, because someone has swung out of balance on something and they've got a particular soapbox and that they try and influence others. They're doing it because they believe it. You're not evil people. They have just believed something that is not scriptural and not true, but they believe it is of God. And so we need to have discernment in these things. Our peers, our influences in the Christian world. Now, whether you like it or not, we all tend to be influenced by famous people. You know, um, if, say, for example, Bill Randalls was coming here to speak, you know, everyone would be on time. Generally, unless you're covering, we used to have a few people come late because they were travelling from quite some distances. People used to come from all over the show. He was only speaking God's word. Did it very well, but everyone would be on time. Yeah, any of us that speak, hey, you can rock up whenever you like. Doesn't matter if you're 20 minutes late. Yeah, it's only Kev, Tony Mike, Tony Phil. Yeah, it's this type of thing. And this is the attitude: influences. We follow the influences of in the Christian world. It's like in the the, the equivalent, and we probably all scoff at them in the in the natural world. These people that make their living by being influencers on on YouTube, and they're holding up different products and. They've got tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people following them and rushing out and buying this stuff. And it's, it's, they're making a good living of it. Good luck to them. Foolishness of the world. But we as Christians should not be doing the same thing and following a man and holding up everything he says as being right. Bill Randalls was just a man. And he held a totally opposite scriptural view to... Arnold Frockenbaum, who was another totally scriptural man who was both knew their Bibles inside out and both could prove their point of view, one upon um, losing your salvation and the other upon not being able to lose your salvation. They could both prove it out of scripture and they both had different views on when the rapture was going to be and they could both prove it out of scripture. And people used to get really upset if you questioned that because they were followers of Bill or they were followers of Arnold. And if you said, well, they'd get really defensive about it because they were influenced by these men. Now, it's a dangerous thing to do when, when there is, because there is no contradiction in Scripture. The once saved, always saved things and the you can lose your salvation thing, which you can prove both out of scripture, most people think they are going like that, butting heads and bouncing off each other. Whereas I believe they are like that. And when you read the whole lot of what has been said about that, they come together as one complete that is necessary for the different people that have become God's children. There is a completeness in both those views 
both those things. And when you separate God's scripture and stand on one view, then you have gone out of balance, especially when someone else can prove just as well out of scripture as another view. What's going on here? Has God got this wrong? Has he contradicted himself? No. You look at the man, somewhere the man has made a mistake. And how many hundreds or thousands of people has he influenced to follow in his mistake? Be careful following good Christian men and women. You're not meant to. Take what they, there's some wonderful teachers around. We are blessed by wonderful teachers. They're only men, they are only human, and they make mistakes. And if you gobble down everything they say as mana from heaven, you're going to poison yourself somewhere along the line because somewhere along the line they will get it right. Somewhere along, and you see, Christians have fallen away from the faith because they've lifted someone up so high and then that person has fallen into sin and they are devastated. Their faith is just devastated because it's not Christ they've lifted up high, it is a man they've lifted up high. The man has shown that he's just a man and their faith is somehow crushed or shriveled to a degree. And so... The voices, influences in the Christian world. Listen to what they have to teach, but the sermon is important and you have to go back to the scriptures every time to make sure what they're teaching is true and does not contradict scripture in any way. And of course then there's a the good old trusty flesh. There's the other voice for you that tells, you know, we're in this fleshly body We've got the temptations of the world and all sort of thing and, and it's saying to us, hey, a little bit won't hurt, you can try it, you deserve to enjoy yourself a little bit. You're a good person, you go to church every Sunday, hey, just, just chill for a little while and, and dip your toe in this. Here's the other voice, there's a constant battle, the flesh and the spirit inside of us. And again, we need to have the discernment not to try and justify sin to ourselves. But to go back to God's word, if we're tempted about something, we're going to take a certain course that's a little dubious and see what his word says about it. And if you can't find that, then you go to someone that you trust as a mature Christian and ask them about it and then take it back to God. But there's always a flesh that's trying to pull the new creation back into the muck. And so that's the Matthew uh, Think it's crucial to be able to, uh, to decide, discern the sign of the times and the Romans to know the will of God as opposed to the other voices that we hear quite often. 1 John, the scripture there. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but try the spirits to see if they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now we've had the spiritual revivals, signs and wonders, all these sorts of things. There's been genuine, wonderful, spiritual revivals. And um, I just had a thought. Where's my pen? You'll just have to excuse me for a moment. I need to write this down while I remember it, because otherwise I'll forget it. Um, right, that's it. Um, so... Spiritual revivals, signs and wonders are a true thing. They're in the Bible. God uh, uses man, and the thought that I just had was the sermon that was preached to sinners in the hands of an angry God. Now, that 
I believe, and I haven't checked this, so correct me if I'm wrong, or don't, whichever, um, sparked the Welsh Revival, was that right? The Great Awakening, all right. A huge revival, this one sermon. And with that, there was you know, just this huge awakening to God. Hmm? These things happen. And God has done it ever since the Jesus time. These, these things have happened. There's been signs and wonders. They still happen today. This is the gifts of for today. And so there's a genuineness about these and there's a great desire in the Christian world to see these things. And that's where, again, the pendulum swings out of balance. The desire to see the manifest power of God, that's a wonderful thing. But if you never see it, you still have to be satisfied that God is sovereign. If you never raise anyone from the dead, if you never lay hands upon someone and they're healed, if you never have a word of knowledge, that's God's business. But to, he says, eagerly seek the greater gifts. But he is not saying, get obsessed with getting my power, get obsessed with getting these gifts, eagerly seek. That means seeking him eagerly. And then if you are faithful with the little things, then he will entrust you with the greater things. And so it's seeking God, not seeking the gifts for these things. But the problem is that they're just wonderful when they happen. When they happen, And if, say, there was a mini-revival, say this church all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just breathed fire on everyone and we were all manifest in the true gifts, and it might be for a season, maybe it was for a week or ten days. In the ten days, as things started to go back to how they were, what do you reckon we would do? We would all get together probably as a fellowship and say, right, now what did we do just before that happened? Let's do that again. And then we would start to manufacture the results. And that's just the human nature. Born out of a genuine desire to have those things of God again, but forgetting that they were given by God in the first time and stopped by God when he had served the purpose, his purpose had been served for everything there is a season, a time. And so, but it's so exciting and it's so wonderful. We want it to carry on and we will not let it go and we will grimly hold on to it against God's will. And so um, these things happen, but then what happens is that we start, and you can, you start to compromise things, you start to manifest things out of your own strength, and the enemy sees an opening. Because we are warned in the end times there will be miraculous signs and wonders, and people are going to attribute them to God, but they are actually going to be the power of Satan at work. And that is why discernment and signs and wonders and these things is hugely important, because none of us here want to start tripping along following Satan's revival. And many will, because the signs and wonders will be so brilliant that people will justify it by saying, it can only be God doing this. Read the Bible. It's not only God doing this. Satan has been given power. So, signs and wonders. 
we need to have discernment because the Bible, the principle is, and I don't know if I, I think I might have, but I didn't, so you'll get it twice if I have, it might be later. The principle is God's word will be spoken and signs and wonders will follow. God's salvation is the most important thing, not the signs and wonders. His word will be spoken. The good news will be spoken and signs and wonders will follow. That's the order. Not signs and wonders and then people will be saved because of them. Now there is occasions where you can pray for an unsaved person they would be healed or you would have a word of knowledge for that person and they would be so struck that they would be saved. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it is not a principle that a, a fellowship or an individual should operate on. If only I had the power to do this, then I could go and save so many people. If only I could had the gift of healing, I'd go up to the hospital and just empty it, and all those people would be so stunned by the power of God that they would be saved. And I'd look pretty good too. There's the underlying human thing about it. It's not the way God works. It's a salvation that he requires of people. That is his focus. That is the whole plan. Signs and wonders are just a plus. Wonderful, wonderful things. But the manifestation of them um, has pretty much has been a seduction of Christianity through these things and many times. Through manipulation. It's easy to ma manipulate people. Dead easy. Especially Christians. They're so gullible at times. I remember going to AOG conferences with Murray and I'd get the... Um, no, the last one we went to and we walked out of um, because they had had the warm-up singer going there and she was singing, um, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he had taken from me. I thought, I'd love to... Murray and I look at each other. love to see you walk into the enemy's camp and take anything. He'd squash you like a bug. Christ did that. He took back what the enemy had taken from us. You want to do that? Give it, give it your best and he will slaughter you. Hmm? It's so silly, but it whips people up and everyone's going, yeah, 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 and they're all on their feet and clapping and stamping and singing. And uh, so they started to manipulate the whole crowd from then. There were several hundred people. It was in the Regent Theatre in Palmerston North and it was chocker. Pastors and elders. This is all leadership. Wasn't you plebs? <laughs> wasn't the, wasn't the common folk? They weren't allowed in the AOG conferences. It was leaders, pastors, who are the sheep, the shepherds, and here they are doing this. And they got them so manipulated that the speaker said, "If you are fat." You cannot serve God because your body is a temple and you, uh, you, are, you are just absolutely dishonouring God. So I want you now, all you men and women who are fat, you wouldn't say that anymore, you'd be stoned and hauled up before the government, but this is what he said, you know, to come up the front and... and or raise your hands, I don't know, they probably couldn't come up the front, there was too many. Um, raise your hands and make a commitment that when you leave this place today, you are going to lose weight 
so that you can serve God properly. And all these guys are going, yeah, yeah, I'm going to commit to that, I'm going to do that. I know one of them died of a heart attack not too long after this because he was very overweight. He still served God during his time on earth to the best of his possibility. But they all, this was dozens and dozens and dozens of shepherds took this in because they'd been manipulated emotionally, had no discernment whatsoever. And they were going to take this back, they'll take it back to their churches and their fellowships and spread this nonsense. And it's easily done. Manipulating people is so easy. And manipulating Christians, as I said, is often very, very easy. Um, so you need to have discernment of where you're being led by your shepherds. And if you're seeing, if you'll be following someone on TV, their ministry, be very careful. Check their ministry and their leading is sound. And mass hysteria when you get into those meetings takes, well, one person starts and it's, you know, another person, yeah, yeah. And well, before you know it, everyone's working in the sort of mass hysteria and you feel you jump up and join in because you feel, oh, I must be wrong here because everyone else has got it right and you get infected by it. That is when the courage of your character comes into being, if you can stand against that. Maria and I used to go to lots of, lots of um, stuff part of the AOG and there were speakers and prophetic speakers and all this types of thing going on and at that time the big thing was casting out everything that was wrong you know that was the, that was the thing and these guys would go up there and, right everyone oh, I think there's someone here and blah 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 and if you want prayer and come up front and everyone would go up the front and they, they used to put their hands on the forehead and there's people going boom 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 they, they, they had catchers ready to catch them you know, we always thought that was strange because scripturally people either dropped to their knees or fell on their faces. I don't know there is one instance of, in scripture of anyone falling backwards and especially having a catcher ready to take them out, you know, to help them lower them gently. Scripturally, we couldn't find it. And we went for a prayer a few times and these guys had come up there and they're pushing against Marie's head. You know, trying to get her, with people falling down there, people falling down there, Marie's standing there, and this guy's getting really frustrated and he's pushing harder and harder because the spirit is going to slay her whether she likes it or not. And this was the nonsense that was going on. We, we did stop going to them because they just, got, they just became stupid. But this was the type of thing, mass hysteria. Those people, I don't believe, were slain in the Holy Spirit. I think they succumbed to the suggestion and knew that they had to because otherwise they'd get focused on too much. and It's just silly stuff. But it happens in our Christian world. Okay, So seduction of Christianity, mass hysteria. Miracles, signs and wonders happen, but it's in tandem with the gospel being spoken. Salvation is the key issue here. And so, and finally, on the last one, uh, Philippians. And, I've, and this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in full knowledge and all perception, that you may distinguish between the things that differ, that you may be sincere without offence until the day of Jesus Christ. Why is that important? Because it safeguards our salvation until the day of Christ. This is talking about the day of his return. And the, the prayer there is that 
your love may abound, full knowledge in all perception, and distinguish between things that differ, discern between things that differ. Our salvation needs safeguarding. We're meant to guard it because the enemy wants to take it away from us. He cannot snatch it out of our hands. We have to voluntarily pass it over to him. We have to reject Christ. And many have been lost through false paths, through false prophets so followed, through disappointments and compromise. And there are many, many more are going to be lost because the Bible tells us there is going to be a great falling away in the end times. That's not talking falling away of the unsaved. That's talking of a falling away of the children of God. How are you going to do that? Well, I would suggest one of them will be through the signs, the false signs and wonders, the miracles, manifest power. But it's being done now by, by false prophets and teachers and people following them without trying to discern the truth. And so the Philippians distinguish between things that differ and full knowledge and all perception. It is important for our salvation to have discernment. So in saying all that, I've finished yet, but surely if we just stick to scripture then we can't go wrong. You know, surely. The problem with that is that if I was to get up here, open the Bible and just read scripture and sit down, nothing wrong with that. It's God's word that's been spoken. It's actually the definition of prophecy is God's word being spoken. However, where does that leave the gifts? Where does that leave the teaching gift? Because we've, we all learn from people of teaching that God has, the Holy Spirit has revealed things to out of these passages that we haven't seen. We are instructed to listen to these things and to discern what is of God and what is of the teacher. And this saying comes back to this being so important because it is important to have the teaching. And if I said to you, read this and said, there's the scripture, work it out for yourselves. You'll be sweet. And if you don't understand it, well, you're not a very good Christian. It doesn't work like that. God has put gifts in place to lift us all, to help us draw close to him, to have understanding of these things. And so whenever a man teaches, it's going to be part of a man in that teaching somewhere. And that's what, you know, we often pray that let anything that's of me fall away and only the things of God remain. That's our desire. But he uses this flawed vessel to speak. And as I speak out of this flawed vessel, pieces of it are going to attach themselves to God's word and try and present them as their truth. It's your job, my job initially, to try not to let that happen, but I will fail at it. And it's your job to not accept everything I say <coughs> as being of God, but to take it back to scriptures. And, and, and if there's something there that I've said that is contrary to scripture, to come and talk to me about it. And so um, we just, you know, just say, let's just stick to scripture. Well, yes, you could, but you would receive no teaching. Um, so the six ways which I believe that God speaks to us, but these six ways, and I've got six scriptures for them. Okay, the first is through scripture. 
hugely, the, nearly the predominant one, I believe. I think the last one is the predominant one, but the first one's scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfected, thoroughly furnished to every good work. Scripture in its raw state, like that, is God's living word. And we don't need to dig too deep to discern God's will when it comes to instructional scripture of how we should live our lives and how we should function. It's there. It's raw, it is true, and it is living in us. So scripture is the first one. Gifts is the second one. Romans 12, verses 3 to 8. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but set your mind to be right-minded, even as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For even as we have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function, so we, the many, are one body in Christ, and each one members of one another. And having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, if prophecy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry in the ministry, or he who teaches in the teaching, or he who exhorts in the encouragement, or he who shares in simplicity, or he who takes the lead in diligence, or he who shows mercy in cheerfulness. And so... These are the gifts, there's lots of gifts we know about, I'm not going to go into them to any detail, but the question is, do we believe the prophet? Do we believe the word of knowledge? Or do we believe the teacher? Do we believe this is God speaking through them or not? Now discernment is required there. But God listed those gifts <coughs> excuse me, as part of the vital function of his church. And so... Prophets, prophecy, again, going back 20, 20, 25 years, that used to be the one that was the popular one, because how do you disprove a prophet? Because the understanding of prophecy there was that something I'll speak something into your life that's going to happen. And much of it was misguided, because it's not like saying, I have the gift of healing, and I shall heal your missing arm, and it will grow. Oh, sorry didn't grow, you must have sin in you. All right. It's not like that, black and white. It was, oh, you know, I, I believe the Lord is, is saying this to you, that in the future you are going to do this and you are going to do that, and it made people feel good. It was a feel-good thing. There was not that often many negative prophecies of correction. It was mostly feel-good stuff, and people accepted it as someone having a prophetic ministry because how did you disprove it? And, and it's not what it's about at all. So we need to have discernment. Someone has a prophetic word for us. Someone has a word of knowledge for us, which should be happening. Then you accept that. Thank you very much for that. I will take that to the Lord and pray about it. Do not accept words of knowledge and prophetic words without taking them back to the Lord because it's dangerous. They do happen and they should be happening, but we have to always take all these things back to the Lord. And so, again, we need discernment 
when these gifts are operating in a fellowship, to make sure they are operating out of God's will and they are not the false gifts that he speaks of in the end times or just man speaking what he wants to speak to make you feel good and to make himself feel important. Okay, that's the third way. So we've got scripture, gifts, it's the second way. Third way, through difficulties. Psalm 119, 65 to 68 says, You have dealt well with your servant, O Jehovah, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept your word. You are good and do good. Do good. Teach me your precepts. The horrible seasons are sometimes God speaking to us to correct us, and sometimes they're just life in a fallen world. Again, we need discernment to know which it is. Is the misfortune that we're going through God's correction out of love, which he speaks of more places in the Bible? Or is it just the fact that we live in a fallen world and these things affect our lives to one degree or the other? Discernment. But he speaks through our difficulties at times. Through the Holy Spirit, the fourth. John 14, 25 and 26. I have spoken these things to you, being present with you, but the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said to you. This is the personal relationship with God that guides and opens the function of gifts. The close relationship and the acceptance of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the bowing of the knee to his sovereignty in our lives that allows him to use us how he would desire. Because why we hold on to things for ourselves, we block that particular conduit that allows the Holy Spirit to flow. may have little spurts and things, but there's all these things in the way that does not let the Holy Spirit fly because we have not submitted all things to him. And it is important and that only comes out of their personal relationship with Christ, reading his word, spending time with him in prayer. These things are what allow the Holy Spirit to come more and more manifest in us and to, to give us, as I said before, be faithful in the small things and he will trust us with the greater things. So the Holy Spirit is another way that God speaks. Fifth one, through his creation. Psalm 19 verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Because God speaks through this wonderful creation he's made. And the thought I had before I had to write down was, apart from sinners and hands of an angry God, was that there was a ministry called Creation Ministries. And they have led many people to salvation through the study of God's creation as opposed to evolution. But he speaks through his creation. There's people have started to study creation to disprove it and they ended up being saved. But the creation ministry that Robert's involved in, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. 
It can appeal to the intellectual, it can appeal to the non-intellectual. It's a wonderful thing. God speaks through his creation. Whether it be he strikes you with the beauty of something he has created as you walk through the door outside there, or whether it is through someone actually sitting down with you as a evolutionary believer and saying, well, look, this and this and this and this as these guys do, and you realise that evolution cannot be true, but it's so ludicrous that the only other alternative is creation. So he speaks through that. That's the five. Now, the one that I think is the most important manner in which God speaks is however he likes. Simple. He will speak through a donkey, scriptural. He will speak through an angel. He will speak through man. He will speak through the Bible. He will speak through dreams, visions, signs, wonders. God is sovereign. He will speak however he chooses to speak. It is not our place to say God can only speak in this way. It is our place when we hear what we believe is God speaking to have the discernment to be able to find out whether it is God speaking or whether it is the enemy speaking. God is sovereign. He will speak however he likes. We cannot discount anything. There are some obvious things that we would discount because they would immediately, to our senses, be opposed to Scripture. God may speak however he likes, but it will, you'll find that way in Scripture. So, that's it. The discernment. Now, the balance content is this. If you lose your balance, you fall. And sometimes you take others with you. In the natural. I'm walking over there. Going finished here and I'm finished talking. I walk past Phil, I lose my balance, fall on him, take him out of the seat. That chair goes back, takes Robin and Vera out, chain reaction. You lose your balance. Often it's not just you that falls, and it's the same in the spiritual aspect. You lose your balance, and people that listen to you and respect you uh, and give weight to what you say can often fall with you. And that has happened in this fellowship. It's caused a split in this fellowship at times. Over, over wrong doctrine and things, and a lot of people have been carried along with that. And so if you lose your balance, it's not only you that falls. And all the above things about discernment, they can go out of balance. All the good things can go out of balance and step out of God's will. Gifts, difficulties, we, you know, we can focus on the gifts, the difficulties, we can get so wrapped up in what we're going through that we forget to, to forget God. We're so involved in our own horrible season we're going through. Ministries are constantly going out of balance. Doctrines get destroyed and corrupted. Bible studies can start go off path and start studying things that are, that are not in the Bible because they've been led down a rabbit track. Prayer. You know, prayer can go astray and out of balance. Um, the knowledge. Prayer. Just look at the monks of the Middle Ages. You know, they were going to shut themselves away and pray and, and somehow that was going to better the world. No, it didn't. They didn't do anything towards the salvation of the people. All they did was take, 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 take and think they were holy. Knowledge, um, the pursuit of knowledge of God is a great thing. But if the pursuit of knowledge of God becomes greater than the pursuit of God, again, it's wrong. 
and it affected that particular thing affected this fellowship badly too. And so um, that's the balance part of it. All things can go out of balance, no matter how well they start. But discernment, well, I can only say that without it, if, this, if we in, as individuals in this fellowship does not have discernment, then we will not survive in this world. And this fellowship will end up just shutting down in disaster. Lord, again, I pray that only your words will live my own opinions, my own interpretations that are wrong will just wither up, will find no place in hearts or minds, only your truth will find any place to live. We thank you, Lord.